All right, and welcome into another edition of Connor in Coverage. My name is Connor Riley. We cover the latest in Georgia news, takes, notes, recruiting, which is where we're going to start tonight. Obviously, less than an hour ago, Luther Burton, five-star wide receiver, the number two wide receiver in the 2022 recruiting class, commits to Missouri. Uh, it had been a battle down between Georgia and Missouri there. Burton visited Georgia this past weekend, visited Missouri the week before. And from the sounds of it, he loved his time at Georgia, did a great job recruiting him, but ultimately the, I, I think, allure of home, or at least the closest to home, he's currently in East St. Louis from the St. Louis area. The closeness of Columbia, Missouri, I think played a big part in why Burden ultimately ended up at Missouri. Uh, you know, Missouri, they're, they're on the field. They're not where they want to be right now. They are struggling a little bit. This season got blown out a few weeks ago by Tennessee, and you know they'll play Georgia in a few weeks. I, I think this Missouri team is... Maybe not where a lot of people thought it would be heading into the season, but Eli Drinkwich is doing some good things on the recruiting trail as a commitment from four-star local product here in Georgia, Sam Horn, uh, the quarterback at Collins Hill. So they've done some good things on the recruiting trail and, and, and landing Burton is a burden, excuse me, is another example of that. You know, he was a one-time commitment to Oklahoma, Alabama was a hat on the table and then Georgia made a very serious run at him and ultimately comes up just a little bit short here. So what does this mean? Because obviously we've talked in this spot at length about the need to add playmakers into this class. They did that a week ago when they bring in Oscar Delp, four-star tight end, top 100 player. And as you've seen with Brock Bowers in this past season and recruiting cycle the year before, Georgia's eight, when, when Georgia gets talented players, talented playmakers, like a like a Darnell Washington, like a Bowers, like a, even a George Pickens, Jermaine Burton, those types of players, those guys can come in and play early. And I do think there was the opportunity there for Burton. Now, it's worth pointing out that this year, you know, who knows if Adane Mitchell or Ladd McConkey are making the plays that they are making if Georgia is fully healthy there at the wide receiver position. But I think if you were in, say, a, a Luther Burden shoes, you can see, well, if, if you've got two freshmen making plays for you right now at wide receiver, not to mention a freshman tight end in Brock Bowers, I think it's pretty easy to, to see that freshmen can come into Georgia, play well, and play immediately. And I think that's why Burden, even though Georgia has not had necessarily the NFL development of wide receivers that, say, Oklahoma or Alabama has had, there's a case to be made why Georgia was so in on Burden and why Burden so seriously considered Georgia. Ultimately, I think distance both from his family and the proximity to home there in the St. Louis area is why Burden ends up picking Missouri. But we're going to use that in the miss on Burden to pivot into the job that I think Cortez Hankton has done in recent seasons. While, yes, he doesn't land the big fish here in Burden, there are still a few couple names out there that could make things interesting. And I think it's worth keeping in mind that while, sure, you know, haven't had a five-star since George Pickens, even though they've brought in a lot of good players. And those guys have played early. Obviously, Adonai Mitchell played well this past weekend. Ladd McConkey's had a great redshirt freshman season. You look back last year, Jermaine Burton really came on as the season went along. And then two years ago, Dominic Blaylock and George Pickens both play well early there for Georgia. So, well, yes, this is an absolute miss for Georgia. You don't pursue a player of Burden's caliber, go to the mat, and then only to lose to Missouri. I think that's pretty clearly an L on the recruiting trail, something that doesn't happen in Georgia a whole lot. But, you know, sometimes, you know, in this case, proximity, you think back to Noah Sewell, family ties to him going to Oregon. Sometimes in recruiting, this happens. You think last year, Mason Smith that ends up at LSU, a player Georgia wanted very badly and went down to the wire for. So, and this happens from time to time. But 
Even though right now Georgia's wide receiver class is made up of four-star wide receiver Denylon Morissette, three-star wide receiver Dylan Bell, and three-star wide receiver Cole Spear, don't necessarily buy a whole lot into those rankings and say, oh, it's going to be years, if ever, before those guys see the field. Because Cortez Hankton has shown he's got a pretty good eye for seeing talent in wide receivers, and him and Todd Munkin have done a good job of employing those guys and getting them on the field. We asked Kirby Smart about this at the time. I'll be honest. I admit I thought this clip was going to be used to explain why Burden ultimately ended up picking Georgia. But I do think even in the event that he isn't here at Georgia, I think it's a pretty illuminating answer on Cortez Hankton and the job that he has done in terms of both a recruiter, but also perhaps undervalued at this point, a developer of of, of that talent. Donnie Mitchell was not highly recruited. Lad McConkey was just straight up not recruited. So for Georgia to go out and get those guys and turn them into contributors early on in their careers, I think says a lot about what Cortez Hankton is as a coach. I mean, his job, number one, evaluation, I think is the key because you know some of those guys – haven't been the most high-profile, you know, top-ranked receiver, but they've they've gotten better since arriving. I think uh, our system being conducive to freshmen uh, being elite, it's not like it takes you forever to to come in and learn the system. So we've been able to have some success with younger receivers, uh, which you know has its pitfalls too, because sometimes the older ones don't don't get it. And in in, 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 this, in this year's case, it's really been about injuries. It's, it's thrust some other guys to the to the forefront, uh, whether it be Brock, AD, Lad, whoever. They've been thrust up there more by injury than anything else. But Cortez does a great job teaching, developing, uh, working on those guys, and we think those guys get a lot of reps in the spring in AD's case, and also in fall camp. That, that all those work with the threes and twos, which some of those guys were, pays off. So again, Cortez Hankton has done a good job of identifying and developing players. I think it's part of the reason why Arthur Burden was so interested in, in in considering George in the first place, and he did take an official visit this past weekend. So looking ahead here at the wide receiver position, you know, sure, Kojo and Twee is still out there. He had made a recent visit to Georgia, even though he's committed to Ohio State. You have the Travis Hunter saga at this point at Georgia two of the past three weekends, though very publicly maintaining he is still committed to Florida State, and he could possibly play defensive back at the next level. He could possibly play receiver. We'll see how that goes from there. But even though this receiver class now doesn't look like it's going to have that super big fish, that burden absolutely would have been, I think with what you've seen from Adonai Mitchell, what you've seen from Lad McConkey, what you've even seen from guys like Kiaris Jackson when healthy, he's shown that he can develop these guys into contributors within this Georgia offense. And, and even over the course of this season – it's not like Georgia's gotten consistently great quarterback play. They've rotated between Stetson Bennett and JT Daniels, and why those two guys have played well, there's still another level to get to with that quarterback play there and that wide receiver position there as well. Brandon Adams and I have talked about this a few times now, but I think one of the biggest reasons this defense is as dominant as it has been is because in the 2017, 2018, 2019, and 2020 recruiting cycles, Georgia really just stacked recruits and stacked really good front seven players. You have Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, Quay Walker, Channing Tindall, Trayvon Walker, Adam Anderson, Nolan Smith. All those guys have now developed within this Georgia program. They're in year four, three, year four of this program. I think we're starting to get there with the offensive guys. It's just going to take a little bit of time. And I do think the incoming of Todd Munkin has really helped turn some of that around and you know how long Todd Munkin stays here because if, if Georgia keeps having the success we've seen on Saturdays this fall, someone's going to be smart and hire him away to run his own college program. But I think eventually there's a possibility if, if Georgia keeps recruiting and keeps developing, 
I think there's a chance that you could see this offense do similar things to what this Georgia defense is doing. But recapping the big story tonight, obviously, Luther Burton commits to Missouri. Uh, I'll take you inside baseball here. I did whip up a commitment edit in the event that he did pick Georgia. This this really was kept under wraps, sort of an old school uh, re- recruiting down to the wire. Both sides felt confident. Neither side really know where he was going to go. In the end, he picks Missouri. The The proximity seems to be the big reason why he ends up going to Missouri, the proximity to his family there. So Georgia misses out on Luther Burden. But I think with what you have in Cortez Hankton, I, I think you still like what you have in terms of a developer, in terms of a coach, and what he will be able to bring in with this recruiting class. Georgia already has three wide receiver commits. And, hey, uh, while Burden may not flip because he's already decommitted once, there are still other prospects out there that could consider Georgia after considering them earlier. And, you know, down the road with the transfer portal, let's say, let's say things don't go well at Missouri. Let's see things don't end up well for Eli Drinkwitz, who looks like he is struggling a little bit there in year two. You know, maybe maybe Burton one day ends up back at Georgia a la Eric Gilbert in recent years comes to mind there as well. Obviously, we got an update on Eric Gilbert today. He's still not with the team. Georgia is in communication with him, but and this may be more personal than actual hard evidence. I'd be surprised if we see Eric Gilbert back with the team this year. But the larger point still remains, and as we get deeper and deeper into the transfer portal, I think having strong relationships and sound recruitments, even of guys who might seem like they were locks to go to places that, due to proximity or family reasons, whatever, Georgia's still making that effort to recruit those guys, I do think plays pays off in a big way for the Bulldogs. So that is our first topic here for tonight, talking about Luther Burden. We're going to touch a little bit here on another five-star receiver, actually the only five-star receiver on Georgia's roster at the moment in time, but that is one George Pickens. Um, bye week. Florida's Georgia's next game. You, when we asked Kirby about it back in the spring, he had said that the Florida game was when Devon Wilson had been cleared and that George Pickens doesn't have to overcome some of those same hurdles that Wilson did because Pickens obviously already knows the Georgia playbook. He was spotted in the last game going through workouts on the field. That is the first time we have seen that. He traveled with the team, though obviously he didn't dress. And he did not dress there against, against Kentucky on Saturday, but – Every few weeks, we we see Pickens making a little bit of progress, making a little bit more closer and returning to the field. And so you start to start wondering now, okay, well, do we actually see this? And do we actually see George Pickens back on the field? Kirby Smart was asked this today. Kirby Smart, and a clip that I don't have for you, but Kirby said Pickens is not yet cleared. But there's some optimism, or at least – not totally ruled out that we don't potentially, and I'm going to restart that because there were a lot of triple double negatives in there. Kirby smart did not rule out that Pickens could not play for Florida. We could still potentially see that at the moment he is not cleared, but there's still, you know, you're dumb and dumber reference. So you're saying there's a chance. Here's Kirby smart talking about George Pickens specifically when asked about him today. Oh, there's a long-term plan there, but I mean, I don't disclose timelines on that kind of stuff. I mean, probably the week of the game, we'd know more, but um, I mean, we did a walkthrough yesterday and he was able to do that and, and, and get signals and get calls. And, you know, he's, he's done a tremendous job of working in recovery, but, you know, Dr. Andrews, Ron Corson, myself, George's parents, have all been involved in that conversation and not something that we're open to share. I'm just uh, very hopeful that he's able to get back 100%. That's our concern. And that's what we've heard that described a lot about this George Pickens situation. They want George to get back to 100% before figuring out the role that he potentially plays on the team. I would note this is more maybe more of a personal thing. I think their connection that he had with JT Daniels last season was a big factor in, in – 
Georgia finishing as well as it did a season ago. And I do think that we're going to see JT Daniels against Florida. It sounds like Georgia is upping his pitch count, so to speak. That was the word that Kirby Smart had used. He looked more comfortable this past Saturday against Kentucky in pregame warmups, so he obviously didn't end up playing. So we'll see when JT Daniels gets on the field. But I do think these two are tied together. And I think when you see JT Daniels return to the field, I do think there's a potential that you see Pickens return there as well. And this Georgia injury, this Georgia wide receiver room is very banged up. And while it's positive that Brock Bowers played as well as he did against Kentucky and Adonai Mitchell and Matt McConkey have been pleasant surprises there for Georgia this season, there hasn't been a whole lot at that wide receiver position to be positive about. And as we played earlier tonight, it's because of the injuries. Jermaine Burton played only one snap last game. Marcus Roseme made a Jack Saint made a brief appearance before shuffling out. Arian Smith, we haven't seen him since week two, and Kirby Smart said today it's sort of a pain tolerance issue there with him dealing with a shin injury. Karis Jackson has been, you know, returning punts, but not really all that involved on the offensive side of the ball. This Georgia injury, this Georgia receiver room is very banged up when it comes to injuries. And so obviously Pickens sort of started that trend this season when he tore his ACL back in March. But I do think that because of all these injuries, it's not like he's going to have to overcome a lot of guys who've been playing a lot or playing really well. So if he comes in and comes off this injury and he's fully cleared to go, and I should preface all this, he is still, as of right now, not cleared to play. But once that we, and we assume that that clearance is coming, once that comes, it's not like he's having to beat out Jermaine Burton, who's having a great season for reps. It's not like he's beating out Kiaris Jackson, who's had a, a monster year for reps in playing time in this Georgia offense. Because so many of these guys have been injured, it actually, I think, helps the potential that we see George Pickens back on the field. I think a lot of this is going to be tied into JT Daniels and his own recovery, and I do expect him to be the starter here for Georgia against Florida. I know some people will try to sue controversy. I don't think Georgia has any controversy at all. It has two very good quarterback options that it feels like it can win with. I I think this program also knows that JT – Gives them a higher ceiling, but it's also really nice to have Stetson Bennett, who has played as well as he has. It's a different-looking offense with Bennett under center, but they have found success there in this season. Four starts for Stetson Bennett, 10 touchdowns, zero interceptions. It's really hard to argue with those results there at this point in time. Obviously, the questions will exist about whether or not you can beat Alabama, and we've said since the beginning of this George Pickens injury, you don't need George Pickens to beat Florida. Certainly not, not now that they're 4-3. and three. You don't need him to beat Missouri. You don't need him to beat Tennessee. George Pickens is the type of difference maker that wins you a game against Alabama in the SEC championship game, that wins you a college football playoff game. So that's sort of, while a lot of people have circled this Florida game, because that was sort of what Kirby Smart had mentioned back in the spring, I think as long as he's ready to go and able to contribute for that Alabama game, I think that's the thing to me that is much more interesting and worth following along here as as it relates to the return of George Pickens. For a while, I've been skeptical that we see Pickens return just because of some of the off-field stuff and some of the things that he has going forward, obviously the NFL and seeing him return to the field. But he seems to be very engaged with this program. He's seen him on sidelines. Him going to the Auburn trip, I think, was big. Him working out this past weekend was, I think, another encouraging sign. And while I still personally believe, I'll believe it when I see it when he returns to the field, everything that has been seen and reported so far when it comes to George Pickens, I think has been a positive for this Georgia team, for George and this Georgia program. And if you, and we've been saying it for a while now, just because the injuries have been around for so long. If you get a George Pickens back, if you get Jermaine Burton healthy, if you get you know Marcus Rosemey Jackson or an Arian Smith or Kyrus Jackson healthy, a Dominic Blaylock, who knows at this point, 
if you can get two or three of those guys healthy and you bring back JT Daniels, you have the offense you've seen along with the tight ends, along with the Donnie Mitchell and Ladd McConkie, along with the, 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 the running backs who I've said for a while now, and obviously Kenny McIntosh is dealing with a hamstring injury. He did not play this past weekend. I think the four guys, it makes it a little tough for these guys to get reps and get in a rhythm. And I do think that plays some impact. So I, I actually think with, with McIntosh being out, it, it allows those other three guys to be more successful. But if you get all those guys, or at least some of those guys back, this offense is in a position to be just as dynamic as this defense is. Obviously, this defense is the best defense and maybe best individual unit in college football this year. But this offense is still a difference maker. This Georgia team is scoring consistently in the 30s throughout this season in SEC games. That's something we have not seen under Kirby Smart and Todd Munkin. And so – as the season progresses, you feel better and better about the direction of this offense. And if you can get George Pickens back, I think that plays a really big push in where Georgia going from, you know, a team where they went out in November, they beat Florida. I feel pretty good that they're going to get a playoff. But with the way this season has gone, I don't think just getting into the playoff is the goal anymore. I think Georgia pretty clearly has shown it is capable of being the best team in the country. It just has to go out there and finish that. So, and that's going to trend, or not trend, that's going to segue into our, our sort of final topic here tonight. And then we're going to open it up for questions. You guys were great last week when we moved up the start time a little bit. Uh, whoops, that's not the one that I want. Uh, give me a few seconds here as I load the correct lower third. But so Kirby Smart was sort of asked today. Obviously, Georgia played three straight games against ranked opponents. Arkansas, Auburn, and Kentucky, they went all of those by double digits. Depending on where you got the number at, they nearly covered all three of those games. They were clearly better than those three teams. And I think Kentucky's going to finish the year potentially as a top 10 team. I think this Auburn team has really turned a corner. And if the SEC didn't screw over Arkansas from a scheduling standpoint, I think I'd, you'd probably see them still ranked as, as well. Georgia plays well in all three of those games. And so Kirby Smart was sort of asked today, you know, how do you keep that edge when you have been playing well? And you enter an off week, and that sort of forces you to do a little bit of a reset there. And and watching this team play, other than perhaps the Arkansas game, Georgia hasn't played perfectly yet. And I think that's something that should scare a lot of other teams. Because this Georgia team has played well, and Kentucky did some things, Auburn did some things to this defense that made them work and, and, and gave up some points. So Georgia still hasn't given up more than 13 points in a game this season. And so... While, yes, you want to see them keep this edge, and quite frankly, with the way things are going in Florida, I wouldn't be surprised if there are people out there that are saying, hey, maybe we should have been playing Florida this week and have our bye week the week after because Florida is clearly reeling right now, coming off a terrible loss to LSU who fired at Ogeron the next day. So the question was asked to Kirby, how do you keep this edge about this team? And I thought Kirby made up a great point, and it's worth sort of keeping in mind here as the season goes along. I don't think we've seen the A-plus game from this Georgia team yet. And we've seen in the past, Kirby likes his team to peak in the month of November and December. You think back to 2018, that team got better in the month of November. It was much better than the one we saw in October. You even think twenty back to the 2017 team. Well, yes, they lost to Auburn late in the season that year. They pretty quickly turned things around, won a big SEC championship game, and then go beat Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl. So Kirby Smart wants his teams to peak later in the season. And I think even though Georgia has been far and away the best team in the country right now, I think they still have another level to get to. That we're, I mean, I don't know that we're playing at our best, right? So we're, we're trying to play better. And uh, there's plenty of things. I mean, we had a 22 or something play drive, a 13 play drive. I mean, defensively, we didn't get off the field and some opportunities and 
those long drives, you got to have answers to. You got to improve. Why? Why did you not get off the field? Is everything third and one, third and two? They had four downs. I mean, more people may go for it on fourth down. So when you have four downs to get it, you're going to have those kind of situations. Offensively, there's a lot of things we can clean up. So I don't look at it as you know, worry about losing our edge during this week. I'm trying to sharpen our edge and get better because that's what we've got an opportunity to do. We've got a chance to create depth and improve players. And not one player on our team that would tell you he doesn't need to improve. And that starts with us as coaches. So we're looking at ourselves, quality control, how we can improve, uh, what we can do better to help our players be successful. So Georgia's, Georgia's schedule over the final month of the season, at least in the regular season, isn't all that difficult. Florida's going to make them more, more. I'm pretty sure we're going to see Anthony Richardson starting for Florida game. He finished out the LSU. He's clearly the more talented option. Then I just don't think they can trust Henry Jones to not throw interceptions in this game, which it's the one thing Georgia's defense hasn't done on an elite level this year is force turnovers consistently. And turnovers, are, there's sort of an element of randomness there to it. But if you're going to throw interceptions to this Georgia defense, then that's just an absolute recipe for disaster. Tennessee, we, we touched a little bit on Missouri earlier tonight. That's not going to be a game at all. Missouri's defense is just not good enough at this point in time. Tennessee impressed against Oklahoma, or excuse me, against Ole Miss this past week. We'll see them against Alabama this week, this coming week. Hendon Hooker goes down with an injury late there in that game, and he was really important to what they had been doing this season. If he's unable to go and they have to go with either Joe Milton or Harrison Bailey, that's not much of a worry. The biggest worry there might be Tennessee fans throwing stuff on the field after, as they pretty clearly indicated there last week against Ole Miss. And then Charleston Southern and Georgia Tech, those are not opponents that Georgia should quite frankly sweat all that much. So this Georgia team has some games against teams with inferior talent. Certainly I don't think any of those five teams that we just rattled off are as good as one of the three teams Georgia just played this past month. So, I mean, having to go to Tennessee might be a little difficult, especially if the weather gets a little chilly up there in Knoxville. But I think this Georgia schedule and this Georgia team has it set up to where they can play better and better as the season goes along, especially if they're able to get healthy. Now, with the one thing with getting healthy is we've been saying that since August, that eventually this team is going to get healthy. And it's the middle of October right now, and we still haven't seen that. And so you wonder if maybe this is just one of these years where Georgia just happens to be snake bitten. And even if it is, this Georgia team has so much depth and so much talent that it hasn't mattered. I think that speaks to what Kirby Smart has built here at this program because I don't know how many programs there are out there that could withstand the number of injuries at the positions that Georgia has. And they'll get some of these guys back. It sounds like Chris Smith is going to return. It sounds like Georgia's going to be in a better spot defensively. Jamari Sawyer was fortunate to be able to play. And we'll see with these wide receivers what ultimately becomes to their health. But for as well as Georgia has played in these first seven games of the season, I think, and I know Kirby Smart does as well, that this Georgia team still has another gear that can potentially get to. If it gets guys like JT Daniels and George Pickens back, I think there's a chance we see that potentially against Alabama there in the SEC championship game. So that's our third topic for tonight. You know what that means. It is time to open it up to questions. I'm going to pull up the chat. I'm sure it is a war zone in here. We have the Braves playing. We have the Red Sox playing. It's a busy sports night. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, ask away. I can't give you any updates on the Braves right now. My roommates are watching in the other room, though they are very happy with the results uh, when I had left them. Um, the Red Sox, it appears, are down one nothing early. I'm not thrilled about that. But if you have any questions regarding Georgia, this program, where things are, where things are going, I will gladly answer them. So let's start scrolling. 
Um, six more outs. So it sounds like the Braves are in good position to go up 3-0. And I don't think this Dodgers team is as good as that 0-4 Red Sox team. So that's positive news for the Barbs there. Let's see. A lot of baseball talk. Let's see. Questions, comments, thoughts. Uh, here we go. So this is from Scott Green. Connor, do you think the loss of Chris Smith hurt us on, on, on the on-field adjustments was seen making the adjustments? So Chris Smith is expected to be back. He was potentially able and ready to play against Kentucky in certain packages, but Kentucky never really presented offensive personnel groupings that really forced Chris Smith to be out there. He was warming up pregame. Did have a pretty noticeable and bulky shoulder brace on. You wonder how that affects him as the season goes on. But I do think Georgia's going to be fine with Chris Smith. I expect him back for Florida. And I believe as is, Cena's already making a lot of the calls and the adjustments. The reality is, Kentucky in that last game, they had they were winning and extending drives and scoring because of math. I, I think Kentucky very early on in that game, similar to what Auburn did, said, hey, this Georgia defense is so good. We've got to consistently go for it on fourth down. And so because of that, it changes the the sort of math there when it comes to, you know, trying to get stops on this defense. Because Georgia does a great job of getting three and outs. But if Kentucky, which was pretty clear their game plan, get it to third and short. And then if we don't get it there, hopefully get it to fourth and short. So I think that's what you're probably going to see teams do going forward. But I'd also point out, while, yes, Georgia did give up two touchdowns and two long drives, Chris Rodriguez was the SEC's leading rusher going into that game. He had seven carries for seven yards. Wandale Robinson was the leading wide receiver in the SEC going into that game. He had 12 catches for 39 yards. They limited Kentucky into very uh, – they, they kept Kentucky and say, hey, if you want to drive on us, okay, great. And that's sort of a callback to some of those early Kirby Smart defenses, you think 2018, 2019, where, yeah, you can score on us, but you're going to have to hit 13, 14, 15 plays in a row. And that's what Kentucky was able to do twice. But that second drive took 12 minutes off the clock, and the game was over when they scored. So uh, the Georgia defense is still playing very well. Uh, Jeff D asked, what role is Scott Cochran? Uh, There isn't an open field coach slot available. So, yeah, Scott Cochran is back with the team. Kirby Smart clarified today he's in an off-field role. He's going to be helping with special teams, but he is back with the team. I imagine they'll address his on-field role and the potential for him to return there going forward. We'll see where it is. But I think with the way this season is going, the impact Will Muschamp has had on the recruiting trail, recruiting there for Georgia in the past couple of months, I, I don't think there's much of a rush to change it and change things up as far as where things are with this Georgia program right now. They are thrilled to have Scott Cochran back more than anything. I think I'm happy that Scott Cochran is in a place where he feels good enough to come back and contribute to this Georgia football program, but he is going to be assisting special teams in an off-field role. Uh, Let's see. Ryan S. Walker, will Darnell Washington get more touches this season? I think think there's a chance you see that as the season progresses. Obviously, I think a lot of this is going to depend on the health of the wide receiver position for Georgia, but You saw him get more touches this past week against Kentucky than you did against Auburn. I think they want to work him into the offense. But the other thing worth keeping in mind is Brock Bowers is just really, really good when the ball is in his hands. And I think perhaps he's even more explosive in a way than Darnell Washington. Washington might be better at those getting those 12 to 15-yard catches and moving the chains in that way. But 
Brock Bowers is a touchdown machine. He's got six six receiving touchdowns already, seven touchdowns on the season. This guy just has a nose for the end zone and making big athletic plays. So while Georgia wants to get Darnell Washington involved and keep him involved, and I've been very impressed with how Darnell has come back from his ankle injury, you also got to keep feeding Brock Bowers at this point as well. So it'll be interesting to sort of see how that has developed. Uh, Mike Q, this is this is the big question. Can Georgia flip Michael Williams and Travis Hunter? Both those guys were at the Georgia game this past weekend. Uh, I'm obviously a little bit more bullish on Williams than Hunter at this point, just given USC has fired its head coach and he's going all the way across the country for USC. We'll see with Travis Hunter. I'm still a little skeptical there of that. Uh, he's still committed to Florida State despite visiting Georgia in two of the last three home or two last three weeks, both of Georgia's last two home games. So it'll be interesting and worth following there. But if Georgia's going to finish with the number one class in this 2022 cycle, which I think there's a chance we see, I think it's Michael Williams and Travis Hunter potentially both joining this class. So we'll see how they finish there. Uh, I answered the Arik Gilbert question earlier. No, I don't think we see him back uh, and his future here. That's going to be reevaluated in the offseason. Uh, let's see. Questions, comments. Um, let's see. Keep going. It appears the Red Sox are taking a lead, which we love to see. Um, Jason Rucker, I see your comment on JT Daniels. I'm not going to put that on the screen, but uh, I do think we see JT Daniels start against Florida. It seems like he's getting closer and closer to physically being back, even since this past weekend where we saw him in pregame warmups. Kirby said that Georgia has upped his pitch count there. He's now throwing 40 to 45 yard passes. Uh, we saw him throw 35 yard passes on Saturday. And so I think they're letting him throw more. And I think we're getting closer and closer to seeing him play. And I do think we see him start against Florida, but I would point out here as well. Stetson Bennett has been great the last two weeks. There's, there's no denying that he has done everything that has been asked for him. I think Todd Munkin has done a great job of tailoring an offense that fits his skill sets and he's taken advantage of it and beaten two teams that are currently ranked in the top 20 in the country. One of those was on the road. So say what you want about him and and the ceiling with Georgia's offense. And I made that point earlier. Stetson Bennett has done everything that has been asked of him. And uh, you know, there are a lot of, there will always be people that are unfair critics to him. And and Stetson sort of addressed that in his post game press conference on Saturday, but Stetson has absolutely balled out for Georgia this season. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Jermaine King. I'm, I, you have to ride with lad McConkey at this point. That dude makes plays. And with Dominic Blaylock, He's sort of getting into that Pickens territory for me where I'm going to see it when I believe it with him being healthy and ready to go this season. This hamstring injury has lingered for over a month now. Didn't sound like he was close at all to to playing against Kentucky this past weekend. And so, you know, potentially we see him come back at some point this year. But with the way Lad McConkey has been playing, and let's not forget Kyrus Jackson there as well, I think you got to keep playing Lad. That guy just goes out and makes plays, made a ton of big plays against Auburn and you know, with Pickens back out there, potentially, you imagine George Pickens on one end and, and Ladd McConkey there in the slot, Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington and your other receivers. That's going to make things very interesting for defenses and how they go about defending it. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Jim House, this was interesting. Uh, Georgia special teams was not great on Saturday, despite blocking two kicks. Jack Pod Lesney missed an extra point, uh, continuing his sort of shaky season where it's like, Two, two steps forward, one step back. He'll, he'll make a couple of field goals, and then he misses that extra point. You have a bad pump by Jake Camardo, though. Camardo's largely been excellent this season, and he had an absolute bomb early in that game to back Kentucky up inside its own five-yard line. Kyrus Jackson bobbled a couple of punts, and while he didn't muff them, it was a little strange to see from someone like Kyrus, who has so much experience back there for Georgia. 
Uh, Terrence Tarver, I would imagine Florida is going to empty the em- empty the book next week in terms of trick plays. Uh, we've seen we've seen them do that before. We saw, I believe, in 2019, uh, it, Mullen broke out a flea flicker that Kirby broke out in 2018 to open the game. So I expect Dan Mullen to try and do everything he can to win this game because boy, oh boy. Uh, the discussion on Dan Mullen really ratchets it up. I think if they lose this game against Georgia, fall to four and four on the season, two and seven against uh, Power Five programs in his last nine games. If they lose to Georgia, uh, the, the, the discourse on Dan Mullen over the final course of the season is going to be very, very interesting. And while I don't think he gets fired, I think he enters next year under a lot of pressure. Um, let's see. Questions, comments, concerns. Uh, so DW, so this is a good question. Uh, once healthy, is JT a shoe in or does he have to take it from Bennett? Uh, Brandon Adams and I sort of talked about this on Dog Nation Daily today. JT Daniels is not going to be handed this job back. He's going to have to go out there and practice and show one that he's healthy, but two that he's capable of playing better than Stetson Bennett. And while I believe he's he, he has the potential to do that, he has to go out there on the practice field and show that because Kirby Smart has made it clear time and time again. He is going to play the quarterback that he believes gives this team the best chance to win. If JT isn't showing that in practice, he's not going to be able to do that in a game. He's got to show in practice first that he is one hundred percent healthy and looking like the JT Daniels we saw against South Carolina and Vanderbilt. And two, that he's able to make all those throws, avoid injury and continue to stay out there on the field. Cause Stetson Bennett has done that this season. And I think that is undeniable at this point. Let's see. Questions, comments. We'll keep going here. Uh, yeah, so Nathan Holsley, I wrote about Kendall Milton on Monday. That was a really incredible awareness play that he made to to scoop up the Stetson Bennett fumble. Uh, from first view, did not look like a fumble at all, but on replay, it pretty clearly was. And Kentucky had a clear as day chance at not only scooping that up, but potentially running it back. And I thought Kendall made a really great play on that. And then you see the next drive from him. He rips off a 35-yard run that very easily could have been a touchdown if Kentucky doesn't just barely push him out of bounds there. So, uh, you know, Kendall, while he, he had negative carries on his other other attempts in that game, I do think one of those was not his own fault. It was Brock Bowers missing a block, as Kirby Smart pointed out afterwards. I, I think with Kendall, you and this is something that I try and write about and, 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 and share with audiences out there, you know, with all these guys being really hyped up or really talked up recruits, when they're not contributing on offense or they're not contributing on defense in the ways we expect them to, people sort of start running, oh, what's going on with these guys? What's wrong? And more on, more often than not, the answer is nothing. Georgia just has so much depth that, you know, some guys have to wait their turn. So when a guy like Kendall Milton makes a heads-up play like he did on Saturday, a small but yet winning football play – that's really encouraging to me for what he's going to be able to do in the future when he is potentially, you think, next year with Samir and James Cook both gone, taking on a bigger role in the offense. Those little sort of plays, you think back to Arian Smith in the Clemson game, downing two of those punts. Uh, it, it's little things like that that I think say a lot going forward about what guys are going to be able to do and how they're going to be able to contribute to this program. You think back to Trayvon Walker's freshman year. Well, he wasn't getting a whole lot of defensive snaps early on. The fact that he's out there on kickoff team says a lot to me about what the coaching staff thinks of this guy. So when you're watching games, look for guys doing small little things like that, filling key little roles and how they grow into that, I think is going to be really important. And I think a year from now when Kendall Milton is really exploding onto the scene there for Georgia, 
we'll think back to, hey, this is something this guy has always had in him because you saw that he's able to make winning plays like he did on Saturday for this Georgia team. Let's see. We'll do a few more comments and questions here. I would like to watch some baseball games at some point. And it is it is the off week. You know, it's an off week for us writers too. So, um, S. Freedom, why hasn't Darnell had a red zone package given his ridiculous size? Well, because you have Brock Bowers who caught a touch, who caught two touchdowns last week. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people want to see Darnell get the ball more, but I don't know really how you can complain about that with Brock Bowers playing as well as he is. And I'm sure people are out there worried about the transfer portal. Darnell Washington is playing a ton. He is continuing to develop. He is getting the football. Uh, While sure, he's not getting 10 targets a game. He is going to be a high NFL draft pick because of the measurables that he has, because of his ability as a blocker, and because of his potential to grow as a pass catcher there. And so I've loved what I've seen from Darnell so far. And while, yes, you might complain, why isn't he getting the ball more? It's taking the ball out of Brock Bowers' hands, who Brock Bowers has been everything I think anyone has imagined Darnell Washington actually being. Let's see. Uh, HR picking stuff. Yeah, we've seen we've seen a couple of those already. Those 13 sets, uh, three tight ends with John Fitzpatrick, uh, Brock Bowers, and Darnell Washington. Stetson Bennett completed 14 passes last week. Eight of those went to tight ends. For all the concern about the wide receiver position, justifiably so, the tight ends have more than made up for it. And if, you know, for so long, and one of the running jokes is why doesn't Georgia throw to the tight ends more? Well, they've got plenty of reason to do it this year, and we're seeing them take advantage of the talent in that room. Let's see. We'll do maybe one or two more questions here. Uh, Christian Rapper, it does value the receiver position. It's just they've been so banged up this year. I think that's more than anything. I think you go back to March before all these injuries started happening. Wide receiver was pretty clearly a position of strength for this team, and Kirby Smart has gone on record and said that. It's just these guys for this year, for whatever reason, just have not been able to stay healthy. And so we'll be interested to see – what this offense looks like as those guys potentially come back. But again, the the tight ends have done a great job this year, sort of circumventing some of the loss that you've seen with regards to the wide receiver position there. But I I think had these guys all been healthy, if George Pickens and JT Daniels are healthy this season, there's no doubt about it that George Pickens is putting up monster numbers in this offense. You know, Jeff has said it before. Mike has sort of mocked it. Availability is the best ability. And that is an ability that a lot of the guys in the wide receiver room don't possess right now. Whereas you look at Brock Bowers, I think the biggest reason he's the leading receiver for this team is he's been able, he's been available and ready to play in every game for Georgia so far this year. And you can't say that a whole lot about a Georgia's pass catching weapons, even beyond just the wide receivers. Donald Washington missed time. John Fitzpatrick was dealing with a foot injury in the preseason there. Let's see. We'll scroll down here because I'm a little bit far behind. Um Jerry Swafford, he's kind of like an H-back. Uh, he's not quite as big as Fitzpatrick and Washington and thus not the sort of true inline tight end that we're used to seeing. But he's not exactly a fullback either, and Georgia doesn't really employ sets that use him like that. So we'll see there. Uh, he's sort of like an H-back. They'll move him around the formation quite a bit. Derek Eady, uh, Kenny McIntosh is dealing with a hamstring injury. That is why he has missed some time. Uh, he's not played in the last two games. I believe he is not cleared yet either as he sort of deals with that injury and comes back from it there. Uh, let's see. Let's do maybe one or two more good comments here. 
Uh, yeah, so to sort of recap here, why Luther Burden picked Missouri? Simple enough. It's closest to home, closest to his family. Uh, it seems like that was a pretty big reason why he ended up picking the Tigers there. They, he likes what Eli Drinkwich is building there in Como. They do have a top 100 quarterback commit in Sam Horn, and so I think they like what he is building there in Missouri. They're an offense-first program, not to say that Georgia isn't, but it's obviously a little bit different. But at the end of the day, I think Luther Burton is a Missouri Tiger simply because Missouri is a lot closer to St. Louis than Athens, Georgia is. Uh, I will end on this because I did see this. Is, I, I enjoyed this comment there. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Uh, Ken Feinberg, Godzilla needs a touchdown this year. So as, as you know, if you're following Dog Nation Daily stuff, pretty routinely I'd made a pretty passionate case last week that Nicobe Dean should be the guy that's getting the Heisman push for Georgia. He's going to have the stats. He's a vocal leader on this team and BA believed in Jordan Davis and Jordan Davis is the more impactful defender. There is no doubting that, but I believe because of a stats based thing, because you're going to see him make more wild plays that the average college football watcher is going to notice Nicobe Dean more than Jordan Davis. Well, after this past week, that has just been blown out of the water entirely. And there is a pretty big national campaign now to get Jordan Davis recognized as a Heisman Trophy finalist and potentially a Heisman winner if a quarterback does not really emerge or if Jordan Davis continues to play the way that he does. And I think Ken, Ken's point about Jordan needing a touchdown, I think that would help him tremendously. You think back to Charles Woodson, Desmond Howard, those guys, they won because they were making plays beyond just making them on offense. And so if Jordan Davis gets a touchdown, I think that helps his potential as a uh, Heisman Trophy candidate. I think he's clear as day, the front runner now from Georgia. We'll see if he is able to earn an invite to New York. He's never going to have the stats. But in watching the way that this Georgia defense plays, again, I mentioned this earlier tonight. Chris Rodriguez was the SEC's leading rusher. He had seven yards against this Georgia defense. This Georgia defense has led the SEC and rushing defense in each of the past two, or not just the SEC, they led the country in rushing defense in each of the past two seasons. They're going to do it for a third season in a row. Jordan Davis is the absolute biggest reason why that is the case. I'm glad to see that he is getting recognized as such, even if it comes at my own personal personal dismay, given I had made such a public case for Nicobe Dean. Nicobe's going to be fine. He's going to be a high NFL draft pick. He's probably going to win the Buckus Award as the nation's best linebacker, which I believe him to be. And so it's a you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this Georgia team is picked apart in the coming weeks, but this defense has been as advertised this season. So that'll do it for us here tonight. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and commenting. We will not have a cover four on Thursday. You will have Jeff Centel before the hedges tomorrow night. He's probably going to give you more on the Luther Burden stuff, why he did not end up at the University of Georgia there. Uh, you have Dog Nation Daily every Monday through Friday. You have um, Mike Griffith on the beat as well on Mondays. Uh, so no game for Georgia this week. They are off. I think a much needed bye week for this team, giving them a chance to get healthy. And I expect them to do so over the course of the next couple of weeks. I think it means we see JT Daniels once again, and it'll be interesting to sort of see how all of that breaks down. Georgia plays Florida in Jacksonville in October 30th, where that game should always be played. Could be smart to comment in that on that today. You can read more about it on dognation.com. But uh, this has been Connor and Coverage, a Dog Nation production. My name is Connor Riley. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We will be back next Tuesday when it is Georgia, Florida week.